something with that graphic, and I hope you enjoy it as well. So this morning we will start in Genesis 1, and in Genesis 1, it says in the beginning. (laughs) In the beginning. That's where we start. So in this beginning, what I want to show you is something very key. If you've got a Bible, I think I'm reading out of the NIV translation. It's one of the most correct Bibles along with the American Standard. But we want to use, I'll use this one. If you've got a tablet, you can use that as well, whatever you want. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless, empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good. Somebody say, light is good. And he separated the light from the darkness. And God called light day, and he called darkness, he called night. I wonder why he just made it rhyme like that, light night, light night, light night. I don't know, but I just, I like that. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Now, you have a sheet this morning that I've given you that I'm going to help you fill in that'll give you exactly what I want to teach on this morning. I just want to be able to show you, and we're going to go through a little bit more depth in the video about human sin. You'll see the circle, consequences, and then we see God's grace. Many people only think of the Old Testament as the wrath of God and and all this stuff, but it is a picture of starting to end of redemption that God is looking to help us along the way. Amen? So, um, so first you'll see your, your columns to the left is, uh, we start from one to three chapters, one and three, the back is some notes for you to take and just for good sense. So I don't forget it right down on your little note column anywhere. Genesis three thirteen and Genesis four ten, Genesis three thirteen and, and Genesis four ten. Cause I want to, I want to show something there. So don't let me forget it. Until I uh, remind me before I get to chapter six and eight, Genesis three ten and Genesis four ten, and we'll discuss that in a few minutes. Now, what I want to show to you in verse one, God created, and then we come down in verse two, and it said the Spirit of God was hovering, and then verse three we find that God said. So understand how this works. Now the Trinity is involved here. God created. That's the Godhead, the Father. The Spirit of God was hovering. That's the Spirit of the Trinity, and then God said, which is Jesus. Amen? So we had the Godhead working. This is amazing how it all just comes together in the first three verses. And you ask yourself, wait a minute now, how can you prove that, Pastor? Well, in the book of John, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen. Who is the Word? Jesus. Powerful. Okay? So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So it's all-inclusive. There's the Trinity. Now, what I want to lay out to you now that you could probably put in your notes before we get going is Genesis spans more than any other book in the Bible. It has that span. In fact, it covers more than all the other 65 books put together. I'm talking about time. More than all the other 65 books put together. And matter, matter of fact, it's actually Genesis like 2,400 years. How many when you're reading it, you get to that so-and-so begot so-and-so, so-and-so begot so-and-so. And then it gets boring and you get you're tongue-tied when you're trying to pronounce Lamech's name and Methuselah's name. And, but, but, but they did some begotten and some begotten and some begotten. 
Why? Because over 2,400 years, they were reproducing, reproducing, reproducing. Families was kicking off and reproducing, okay? So basically, think about that. The total duration from this time, which is creation, to the time where the Israelites, you know, were in Egypt and they became a nation in about 1800 B.C., man, that's a span. That's a span of time. So when we're reading this, you know, we really don't understand how much is in that book. So that's powerful to know, and it's just a good thing to understand. Now, the settings of Genesis is this. It's divided into three geographical areas. The Fertile Crescent. Now, that name came about in the 1916s where they kind of all began to figure out and begin to study that region, and, and somebody came up with this Fertile Crescent, which is what you see here. And what's important about the Fertile Crescent is you'll see everything that's involved in the, in the Old Testament, and especially in Genesis, you'll find the Euphrates River, the Tigris River, you'll find the Nile River, you'll find the Mediterranean Sea, and also the Persian Sea. You'll see all of this in action in that first framework of time that we're in, basically before we get to uh, Abraham. Because, you know, God sent Abraham out. So this region is in the first part of Genesis, and all this stuff takes place in that 2,400 years. How old is America now? 200. We ain't squat. We are just babies. But that region is so wonderful because modern-day Iraq's in there. There's, there's all kind of prophecies about that region that is very real. So... Lebanon's in there, uh, Jordan would have been right there, and Syria is right along there. Is there a lot of stuff going on in there today? Oh, yeah. I mean, turmoil, wars, and all kind of stuff happening, because that's the original area. There's craziness going on there. It's always been kind of crazy. So now the purpose of Genesis is this, is to reveal how sin, the sin of man, met by the intervention and redemption of God. Sin of man and redemption. Okay? By the way, if you're watching on live stream, how you doing? Good to see you. So we've told some people that we're out today that we'd be live, and so I hope you're enjoying this as much as we are. So the other word, keywords, write these down. Two key words in Genesis. Beginnings and blessing. Beginnings and blessings. I don't know about you, but both of those words sound really good. I like that. Beginnings and blessings. Now the key phrase it's interesting because it's in the phrase that is key that is not only in 1 through 11, but also in, in as we get on to the next phase of 12 through 50. And in, in, in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And in, in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. It's said like six times in Genesis. We are descendants of that. Does anybody know y'all got some DNA that goes all the way back to there? We can trace our DNA all the way back. Amen. Now, the key verse is in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Key verse to all of this is that God created the heavens and the earth. And that heavens doesn't mean just heaven. It means the heavenlies. And you translate that from the Hebrew, it means everything. The stars, the, the skies, the atmospheres, the whatever goes on with everything out there we hadn't even seen yet. God created it all. Because if you look it all up, when God said, let there be light, you'll find out that light is still going. <laughs> That's a long way. It's still going. Amen. Well, Jesus could have put in here in verse 3, and we'll leave the light on for you. 
Motel 6. <laughs> so now, get this. Now, this is what I like the most. This is a quote that is, is awesome. Genesis is quoted from over 200 times in the New Testament. Get this now. If you want to put the two together, people say, I don't know how them two are connected. You know, that's the old stuff, and we live in the new stuff. Oh, no, 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 no. Over 200 times, Genesis is quoted. And in fact, the ones that we're talking about today, 1 through 11, is quoted over 100 times in the New Testament. Just in 1 through 11, it's quoted 100 times. So it's not just mentioned, but you'll find it absolutely quoted verbatim 165 times in the New Testament. 165 times in the New Testament. What does that mean? They knew the Scriptures. They knew Scripture. They knew the Torah. The Jewish people were still following that tradition for what they had. You know, because it wasn't even written in Greek until about 250 uh, years before Christ, I think. So it really wasn't brought into that until then. Don't quote me on that. Um, now, the key lesson, uh, God created us to be for a blessing, and he chose us to bless others. Okay, so that's the key lesson. God chose us for a blessing, and we are chose to be a blessing. Okay, everywhere you go when he talks about it. You know, he talks about being born. He set them in place. What he tell them to do? Go multiply. Go work with your hands. Just be a blessing. Amen? So they had to start that. Now, the Messianic prophecies in here that we're dealing with in 1 through 11 is that part about the seed. It was mentioned here that the seed of the woman in verse uh, chapter 3, verse 15. We're talking about that's a resemblance of Christ. When we're talking about, when we get to 425, that is in the area of Seth. And Seth is quite important on the way to go. Then, of course, you've got Shem, and that's in 9. And I won't go any further to the descendants of Abraham because that's next. So I won't step over in that area. I want to stay 1 through 11. Now, there's something interesting that I'll just say to step over is Adam is the first Adam. Jesus is the second Adam. There is a parallel between the two. Both were born of sinless nature. Adam was born from God, sinless, and Jesus was born from sinless father and virgin mother. Okay? Um, this one I love the most. Because if we're going to negate and try to knock out Genesis as not being important, then that means Jesus is a liar. But the Bible says, Jesus said, for if you believe in Moses, you would believe in me. This is Jesus talking. If you're going to believe in Moses, you believe in me. For he wrote of me, Jesus said, Moses wrote of me. But if you do not believe in his writings, how will you believe my words? Ha, that's just good stuff right there. Jesus just pops in. See, Jesus didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill the law. So he's just coming in talking language. He talked their language. He said, look here, you boys want to believe in me? You better believe in Moses. If you believe in Moses, you got to believe in me. Amen? So here we are. This is where we start. It all hinges and everything connects together. Now, the literary structure of Genesis, is it's clear. It's built really around 11 different types of headings, but I won't go into all the generations, but I'll just start with my first one through 11. Uh, basically, the book of generations really is the beginning where God said he started that generation. Heaven and earth is in chapter 2, Adam 5, then he goes into Noah chapter 6, 
and then we fall into 10, which the sons of Noah. And that's where I'm going to stay in today is my first 11 chapters because there's so much in there. Um, so not only that, the, the origin of the universe really falls into several different categories, but let's just say it like this. One, creation. Two, the fall. Three, the flood. And then confusion of tongues. That's me today and that's you today. If you're taking notes, the creation, the fall, the flood, and the confusion of tongues. All are very important to the beginning of time. They all have a place and understanding of where we go. The creation, the fall, the flood, and the confusion of tongues. Okay? Now, let's uh, go to chapter 3 first. Chapter 3. We've kind of summed up 1 and 2, but now we're in chapter 3. Um, to kind of sum this up a little bit, I end up grabbing the wrong Bible again. I cannot stand reading this small print Bible. I don't understand why people make a print so small. My glasses can't even read this stuff. I grabbed the wrong glasses when I left the house this morning. I said, uh-oh. Okay, so three. In three, we know how this goes. So we'll kind of paraphrase a little bit. And it talked about in this, in the serpent. And then we know, of course, what happens here. The, the uh, I like to say it like this. Uh, you know, it's like the woman really was, <laughs> she was distracted before she got deceived. Let me say this again, because you can't get deceived unless you're first distracted. So for the woman's defense, she came over here, and I guarantee that little snake sounded just like God. His mannerisms, his coolness, calmness. I believe he tricked her into a fault and that it sounded good. Amen? So when we get into that, it's, it's obvious that, number one, she was distracted. Number one, I don't know why they were over there. I don't know why she got over there. I don't know how she started talking to him. But the point is, she got distracted. Distraction always becomes before <laughs> Amen? Because if we stay focused on God, we cannot miss the mark. If we stay focused, but if we get distracted, the deception will come. So we don't want deception, but you can always count on anybody that gets deceived, they're distracted first from the call and the purpose of what God is saying. So he convinced them, you surely won't die. And of course, we know the story, and the story kind of goes like, okay, they ate, okay? And when they ate, both of them, God shows up. Hey, What's up? What are you doing? And Adam said, well, I hid from you because I was naked. I mean, so sin had already put them in a guilt mode, put them in a fear mode. Guilt and all sin, what it all brings on us anyway, it puts us in a bad situation. And so this is what happened to them. And um, <laughs> he did eat as well, right? Okay, what did I tell you? What was that first one? That, uh, what was that scripture? Genesis 3.10? 13? 3.13? And then the Lord said to the woman, what is it that you have done? Now, he doesn't ask Adam. He doesn't ask every, everything about what he done. He gave some bogus answer. And then he asked her point blank, what have you done? Now, watch this. This is how sin is. We get caught or we do something wrong. First thing we want to do is lie. 
First thing we want to do is just bypass that. And, you know, and then what does she say? Well, the serpent deceived me, and then I ate. No, God didn't ask you that. God asked you, what did you do? Okay, now hang on to that thought and underline that because we'll get there in a few minutes. So now, the first thing God does, instead of dealing with man and woman, he curses the snake. I like this because God will come in, whether you did something wrong or they did something wrong, he's going to take up for you. He's going to get the enemy. Even though you were in that bar and you were in the wrong place, I'm going to get that one first. And God just eases in there and takes care of him. He said, cursed are you above all the livestock. But first, right down in the human sin rebellion. Under the, under the human sin, the first one, chapters 1 through 3, rebellion. Man rebelled. Boy, we have a rebellious world today. Rebellious. Sometimes when I act up, Mindy goes, why are you rebellion, rebelling so much? Like, Rebel? I don't even like that word. Why you want to tell me that, you know? Just sounds funny. I'm not rebellion. So here, and uh, above, you're cursed above all the livestock, all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat the dust all the days of your life. That's why snakes are crawling on the ground. I got a feeling that jerker was standing up. The only snake that I know really stands up is one of them cobras. But his belly's still down on the ground. But I wish God hadn't have done that so I can see them things coming. You know what I mean? <laughs> Think about what he did to him. You'll eat dust all the days you've life. Yeah, if you're crawling on the ground all day, you're going to eat dust. So he cursed him. Amen. And to the woman, he said, I will make you have pains during childbirth, very severe pains. With painful labor, you will give birth. <laughs> your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. I don't know about you, but I've watched animals give birth to people, or animals give birth like cows, and boop, just comes right out. Probably if a woman hadn't a sin, she'd probably, boop, just no big deal, just probably no pain, just boop, there it is. Uh, Sydney's back there. She said, that's that easy. That's just that easy. I can do that. <laughs> but think about that. That obviously means that we were not to have pain during a beautiful process such as that. So... Don't feel bad about Eve sinning because if it wasn't her, it'd been somebody else. Amen? Would have been you. Amen? So cursed is the ground. Cursed is the ground. So number two is land cursed. The land cursed. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I command you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Now, he turns it back and says, you are the tender of this thing. I told you not to eat from it. I didn't tell you why. I told you to handle that. Now, because you didn't handle that, here's your punishment. So men have a tendency to have to be that head to not to over-dominate a woman, but to be that head of the household to take care of things and to be take care of. Protect the household. Cast out the devil if it's trying to come in your house. Watch those things. Do those things. Be a provider. So cursed is the ground in which... You came from. Through painful toil, you will eat from it in all the days of your life. 18, it will produce thorns and thistles, <laughs> and you will eat the plants of the field. First thing I thought about thorns and thistles, I think about, you know, a flower rose looks really pretty. 
But you grab that thing by one hand and see what happens. That thing's got thorns on it. It'll tear you up. And sand spurs. We wouldn't have had no sand spurs if they had to sand. Sand's right there. Thorns and thistles. Sand spurs are of the devil. You put one on the ground and you run over with your lawnmower, you got 50 million more. They are bad. I'm just saying. So, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat from your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you have been taken, from dust you are, and from dust you will return. Obviously tells me one thing, that wasn't the way we were supposed to go out. Think about that. I'm not too sure how that is, but when we get to Enoch, it's probably God took him. You know, the Bible says Enoch served God and he was faithful, and the Bible just says he took him. I mean, if we were faithful to God and just love God, wouldn't it be awesome just take me? Y'all be walking around saying, what happened to Pastor? Well, I think the Lord took him. Y'all ain't got to have no funeral. Y'all ain't got to show up when you don't want to be here. Nobody likes going to funerals. Y'all only have to come if God just took us. So, what does that mean? The promise is this. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. <laughs> I like that because you know what? The devil got a little bit of Jesus' heel. But he crushed his head. There was a battle and there was a fight. And the Lord did get a little, little hurt there on the heel. But praise God, the Bible says he crushed his head by the very seed of of a woman that came, his name is Jesus. And that God made that promise back then, years and years and thousands of years before, that I'm going to get you. Basically, he said, I already got you. That's what the prophecy says. Okay, next in Genesis 4 through 5, the first thing under sin is, oops, there was a murder. We have rebellion is the first sin. Now we have a murder. For Adam... And a man and a maid loved to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant, and she gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord, I have been brought forth a man, praise God. The later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of the time, Cain brought some of the fruits and some of the soil and the offerings to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering. Fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Now the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering did he not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Watch this, guys. We already got where God showed up and talked to the first human being. He showed up and talked to him. Now we got God showing up again to the next generation. And he says, and the Lord said to Cain, God is talking to him. You know, sometimes I just wish God would just show up and just tell me. So I ain't got to rely on the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's God. I don't know if it's pizza. I'm not too sure if it's my flesh. God showed up to him. Now watch this. (laughs) Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Or trodden. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Oh. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, 
but you must rule over it. God shows up and says, you're angry. I see it. I'm just going to help you. Hey, just get your offering right. Do right. and You'll get through this thing. God just shows up and tells him, I see a little something on you. You ever had a friend come and warn you about something and you didn't pay no attention to it and you went out and did it anyway? Mm-hmm. Or your parents told you, don't you go over there and do that. I know better than you do. And rebellion said, I'm going to do it anyway. And you didn't get all in trouble and you think, I should have listened to my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Well, here's God, his daddy, telling him, you are in a bad spot right now. Mm-hmm. Let me point out one thing to you about it. Never make a decision while you're angry. Because it could be bad consequences. I can go to prison and show you a bunch of people who made some decisions while they were angry, and they locked up. Mm-hmm. Don't do anything, while, what, is, what is it called, um, halt. Hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Don't ever do anything when you're in a halt state. Hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. You will mess up on all of those four. Do not do it. Back off of it and wait. Amen? Amen. Whew. Praise God. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. Oh, he done talked to God personally. Now he tells his brother, come on, let's go out in the field and work this thing out. Well, while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and what? Killed him. Our first murder. <laughs> Our first murder. And this is a big deal because this is a, this is a, a seed deal now. You done got Adam and Eve the first. We got to get the seed that was promised, the seed of a woman promised down here. We got to get that seed down there. But now we got a problem. We, we got the man that was holy and right before God dead. That seed is gone. Okay, so just look how important this is. This is a problem. So murder's the first one. And then the second one is the consequences. The consequences is what? Societal breakdown. Things fall apart. Things have gone wrong now. He said, now you are under a curse and driven from the ground is what God told him. Cain, I gave you a chance to get it right. I told you what to do. You didn't listen. Now you're going to be driven from this land and you're going to get to stepping. And that's basically what he said. And when Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. After became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had another son and daughter, other sons and daughters. Although Jared lived a total of 962 years, and then he died. Now, when Enoch lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Although Enoch lived a total of how many years? 365. I don't know about you, but I kind of think that's an important number. 365. Enoch walked faithfully. Verse 24. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him. (laughs) Golly. Now, I've got to understand, since he is the lineage of Adam, I've got to understand that this cat asked his great-grandfather about God. I just got a feeling since both of them were still alive, because Adam lived to 900 and some, so he was still alive. He could go to his grandfather and say, what was God like? Tell me about that paradise. What was going on? What happened? And I believe Adam just humbly told him, it was great, it was wonderful, and then I messed up. Don't mess up, Enoch. Don't mess up. Love God. Don't mess up. 
So I got a feeling that, praise God, there was a conversation there. And the only thing we know about Enoch in the book is that. We know when he was born and his lineage, but all we know is that he walked faithfully with God and God took him. Now, I would love to be in the Bible for one sentence, praise God, and hear from me no more if that was my sentence. Amen? So what we have here is that that is the grace, the grace. So we've got the societal breakdown. He cast him out. Now, generations went about. So now we got grace. Now, under that grace, right, Enoch. Enoch is one of those that came along that just got that lineage right and went on. Let me answer this question for a lot of people that may want to know. How did, how did um, Cain get cast out when obviously the scripture says there wasn't any people? There was no mention of other place. We're talking about the east of, uh, the east of Eden now. He was cast to the east of Eden. I don't have that picture. But it, the point is, let me just say this. This is pretty much clear. Back in those days, it wasn't called incest then. It was possible. It had to reproduce. You had to start with Adam and Eve, and the families all did that. But the point I want to make is, if, if I had a grandmother that had 13 kids, and, it, and she lived, I mean, she didn't have them until she was about 40, 40, something like that, 40 from whatever, teenage, 16, everywhere. But that's 13 kids. Now, if you live to be 946, and you still have babies because you're doing what God told you to do. God told him what? Go and multiply. So we, I firmly believe that because of the many, many, many kids there were, it was nothing common that he wouldn't be able to mate with one of those sisters or cousins or whatever the case may be because he was old enough then to have cousins as well. So uh, it wasn't un- uncommon. Now, we don't see whether or not maybe he was married before. How do we not know that Cain and Abel was not married before? We don't know. But I firmly believe that because of the age and the time span and how many children Adam and Eve could have had, he had plenty of choices to get a wife or a cousin. So, so that, that's kind of my take just because I can't prove it any other way. Okay? So the land... Consequence. Where am I? Grace. Grace. Okay. The other one is when Lamech had lived 182 years and he had a son, he named that son Noah and said, he will comfort us in the labor and pains of the toil of the hands caused by the ground that the Lord cursed. Get this now. His name was Noah and he will comfort us in the labor and the painful toil of the hands caused by the ground that the Lord had cursed. Okay. This is key. Now, After Noah was born, Lamech lived 595 years, and he had other sons and other daughters. And in 31, although although Lamech lived 777 years, and then he died. Well, maybe so. I think I would die at 770 years, too. After Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So here we got a major genealogy going on to this point. We are majorly broken into verse 5 now. We, we have come a long way in years, a lot of children, a lot of people that are grown now, a lot of people that are out there. Amen? So 
Now, that oh, right beside Enoch, Noah. There's your two promises. So Enoch came, that's your promise, and then Noah here is a promise. Okay, Genesis 9 through 11, the land is corrupt. Human sin is everywhere. Now the earth, verse 11, was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God's sight, he said, it's all just gone crazy. Everybody's full of violence. He saw how corrupt the earth was, and he become, <coughs> for all the people of the earth, and their corrupted ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both of them and the earth. Both of them and the earth. Now God said to Noah, go and make, make yourself an ark. Now I won't get into all the details and all the specifications that God did, but he gave him the specifications to build an ark. Matter of fact, our military still uses those specifications to build ships. That's how accurate that specification is. <clears throat> so he told him the height, the width, the depth, the rooms, put a window in it, put a door in it. Can you imagine? He told him to put a door in it, and that door was so big you couldn't even shut it. But right before the flood, before the waters got high, the Bible says God shut the door. <laughs> huh? Ain't that awesome? Could you imagine building the ark number one and all the societies just getting your, your case and laughing about something called rain and water and a flood? And then number two, you're building an ark and they're watching you. You got one wind in it, and then all of a sudden you got this big door hinged down to the bottom. And it took all his kids to build the thing. Because you got elephants going to walk on that thing to get in there. You got large animals and stuff. And then he probably wanted himself, because it doesn't say God told him, well, how am I going to shut that door when the rain comes? Then my question is, how do you shut that door and make it seal tight where it doesn't leak? How in God's name do you do that back then? I don't understand. Maybe some sap from some tree or something. I don't know, but praise God. So anyway, he did it as God said, and the specs and everything was just right, and Noah did everything that God had commanded. Okay, so the consequences were what? It scattered the earth. Oh, no, flood, excuse me, flood, excuse me, yeah, the flood. So the consequences is the flood. Okay, we know that that is the thing that happened. And so the waters flooded the earth for 150 days. Now, where, where does the grace come in at? Now that God has destroyed everything, where's the grace? Verse 20, then Noah built an ark, put it in the planets, all in the clean animals, I did all that. Uh, mm -hmm. he came out made an altar the Lord smelt the pleasing aroma and said in his heart never again will I curse the ground because of humans even though every inclination of human heart is evil from childhood and never again will I destroy all creatures as I have done as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will cease, will never cease. As long as there is seed time and harvest, day and night will never cease. And he said, I have set in Genesis nine thirteen. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be a sign to a covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring the clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears, you'll see in the sky that God literally said that it'll remind me. You'll read the text. I don't know what yours says. He said, it'll remind me of what I did and what I'm not going to do ever again. 
So that is the covenant with creation. That, that there is the covenant. That rainbow is significant of that. The next thing we come to is the human sin, the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel. Hmm. Y'all forgot to remind me about Genesis 4.10. Genesis 3.13, God asked Eve, what did you do? Genesis 4.10, God asked Cain, what did you do? The point I want to make with that is God purposely asked the question. He already knew the answer. You know, God asks the questions. He already knows the answer. He wanted to get an answer from a, uh, Adam. I believe it could have turned it around if he had just owned up to it and said, Oh, God, I shouldn't have done that. We ate the apple. We sinned. We sinned. Didn't happen. That's why he went to Cain and said, Cain, what did you do? There's a point blank question that we're all going to answer in our lifetime is, What did we do? <laughs> we ain't going to be able to squirm around it. Well, it's those people I hung out with. Okay, so. The whole earth spoke the same language. They said to each other, come, let's let bricks, let's build them thoroughly. Use bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city. Catch this now. Let us build ourselves a city. See, society had already gotten gone wrong again. Let's start building us monuments and stuff. Let me start putting my name on stuff. Let me, let me, let me be all that. Give me a statue, praise God. With the tower, it reaches to the heavens so that we might make a name for ourselves, and otherwise we will be scattered on the face of the earth. But the Lord came down to saw the city and the tower, and the people were building it, and the Lord said this, If as one people speak in the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to set their minds to is impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. The sin was the Tower of Babel. The sin was that they were building a name for themselves. Number two, they're getting ready to get scattered. So the consequences, they scattered them from all over and stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because the Lord confused the languages of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Over the earth. So now we have different languages. Now we can see that God is saying, basically, if some people got the same unity, they're speaking the same thing, they're doing the same thing, and their goal is to do something that is evil, it will happen. It will happen. So, the grace now is blessings to all nations. We come into the last chapter of 10, and it says Abram, and we get into Abraham. So now, next week, 12 through 50, we'll go from there. And the first, we've already dealt with the, gen, the, the creation, the flood, the genealogies. Now from 12 to 50, all about Abraham and his begots and begots and begots. Amen? Stand to your feet this morning. Father, we just thank you this morning for the opportunity to be able to dive in your word, to attack this thing, Genesis, and learn all we can so we will not be ignorant when it comes to talking to people that will be glad to share the story about Genesis. And it's basically the same thing. Sin was on the earth. See, we're not good people turning bad. We're bad people needing to be good. So, Father, we just thank you that you're going to help us understand that our sin nature still tries to get us to do things we don't want it to do. Lord, we just thank you that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ helped us and we can ask forgiveness and help us and we need that lord in jesus name so father we give you all the praise and glory from genesis of creation from 1 to 11 we give you all the praise and a great day today we ask each and every person to go out of here today and be a light and go out and multiply yourselves with others in jesus holy name
Amen. God bless you. Love you. Have a great day. Amen.